Welcome to session three of the Kingdom Essential Growth Group that's taking place uh, on Sunday mornings, 8.30 to 9.30 at Second Baptist Church. And we are holding the growth group in the adult classroom by the welcome desk. And before we start, I want to reference that below the post, the audio post here, that there are the scripture references and actually the scriptures themselves that we will, I will, I will be reading and it is a part of this podcast. And also below the script references, you'll see there will be two images. And they're images of uh, a, a document uh, called Who I Am in Christ. And I will be referencing that at the end, near the end of the podcast. And before we start today's podcast, I just want to um, also uh, let you know that um, it, it would be really um, uh, beneficial for you to... Uh, Listen to the the first two recordings because this is a, this is a, a culmination of those two. The, all three come together, and this is part of the foundation to what we're going to be talking about uh, through the rest of the series and through the rest of the sessions. But it would be it would help you understand some of the things I'll be talking about and mentioning within this session by listening to one and two. Otherwise, you might hear some things and wonder what I we mean by that, is, or what I mean by that is I'm I'm sharing that and talking about that. So I encourage you to listen to, to one and two, but just a quick review. Um, we, uh, we've, uh, over the last two weeks, we've talked about the kingdom of God and defining what that means as Jesus came proclaiming it. We talked about the, the Jewish expectation of the kingdom and that being uh, contrasted with what Jesus' perspective, what he brings and, and starts to uh, uh, give a more definition to what the kingdom of God means. And uh, we talked about the, the age to come, uh, breaking into this current age, and, and how because of that, we can now experience and enjoy a measure of the blessings that are previous, that were previously reserved for the future coming age. And so we have this age we're living in, and the, the age to come uh, is something that the, ex, the Jewish people expected, that once the, the Messiah would come, the, this age end, the next age, this, this come, the coming age would start with all the blessings of the kingdom. When Jesus comes showing, shows up, and the, the future age, which was reserved for that moment, had broken in, but this current age was still going on. And that was part of the contrast, and we've, talk, we've talked about that. But see, part of the kingdom, the kingdom has broken in, and it's here, even though this age is still going on. And with that, we, uh, we understand now that Christ came not just to forgive us our sins, but there's other blessings that come with the reality of the kingdom breaking in and, and the future coming age has broken into this age. And now we can enjoy a measure of what was uh, exclusively thought was only going to be in the future of the coming age when it came. But it has come in Christ. And so let's pick up right there, and, and um, we're going to be looking at a, a variety of scriptures, well, actually a lot of scriptures, I'll be looking at, and as I mentioned, they're down below, and talking about, in, in each of these scriptures, what is the blessings of the age to come that we get to experience, enjoy, a measure of right now, uh, even though this we're living in this evil age. And we've we haven't we're not going to taste the fullness of the kingdom, but as it says in Hebrews chapter six, we get to taste the powers of the age to come right now. So let's look at Ephesians chapter one, uh, verse seven, and then we're going to read Colossians chapter two, verse uh, verse 12, uh, thirteen through fourteen. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven reads, "In Him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through His blood." the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And I'll read, uh, let's read Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14. And it reads, And you who were dead in your trespasses and in and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That This he set aside nailing it to the cross. So the question is, what are the what, what blessings of the age to come do we get to experience right now, as Paul writes in Ephesians and Colossians? The first or very first one is that we, we are forgiven of our trespasses. And not just some, but as he says in, in Colossians, he says, all of our trespasses. I know that's hard for some people to, hold, to believe and, and, and think that could happen, but it's not just what we've done in the past, 
or what we've done right now, but also all our future trespasses. Jesus gave his life to forgive us of all our trespasses. And it says in Colossians also, uh, another part of the blessing is, he's canceled the record of debt that that stood against us. So our debt has been canceled. Who likes to have their debt get, get canceled and not have to pay for it? All of us. Well, here he's, he's talking about Paul's writing to the church. He's saying, your, your record of debt of, of all the sin of your life has already been canceled. What a, what a blessing. That's part of the blessing of the kingdom. That, we're, that, that's, that was what exclusively was going to be for the future. When the Messiah would come and there would be a resurrection of the dead, then that's still going to come in a second, second return, second coming. But in his first coming, he comes and he purchases that force at the cross, right? And he's saying that that which was for the future is right now something we can experience by faith and believe. All our sins are have been forgiven. Now, I want to also um, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, there's an aspect of this to help understand because the, the Jewish expectations, uh, they they saw their sin still there. Um, and the expectation was forgiveness was only when the age to come would show up. And this age ended. And Jesus is saying, and Jesus, Paul writes, he says, your, your sins are forgiven. The age to come has broken in. Christ's death Purchase your complete forgiveness of all your trespasses. Your debt has been canceled. So let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. As we read this, the writer of Hebrews is writing, he's making this comparison from how how much better Jesus is than Moses, as Jesus is than the the angels, how how Jesus is than the the priests of the Old Testament, how Jesus is compared to the uh, sacrifice of the Old Testament. And so let's read here Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifice, sacrifice that I continually offer every year, make perfect those who, are, who, who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered. Uh, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sin. There's take away sins. Here the writer he who is writing to the Jewish people, and he's reminding them about the Old Testament sacrifices that would happen every year. And he's saying that every time you draw near, uh, that sacrifice... You, they knew it was a reminder that their sins were were not were not completely forgiven. There, there are going to be new sins in the coming year that they would need forgiveness for. And he says it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin completely. So they, every time they came to do the sacrifice, it was a constant reminder from them from them that for them that that the sacrifice of providing was not going to completely take away their sin for good. It, it, it couldn't. That's what he's saying. He says, and that's why he says if it could take it away, they would no longer have any consciousness of the sin any longer. See, those the blood of the ghost could not perfect the one that was drawing near. Now there's a comparison to Jesus and Jesus' life as a sacrifice. In verse 10, I mean chapter 10, verse 11, it says, And every priest stands daily at his service, Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. See, here's we started talk, just talking about that. Is those priests would go in and they they they'd offer those sacrifices, but also knowing that they could never take away sin. Then verse twelve says, "But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down on the right hand of God, waiting from that time until." His enemies should be made footstools for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being uh, sanctified. So here's this contrast. Those Old Testament sacrifices, the priests would bring that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. In fact, those sacrifices were a constant reminder that they, that, that, that those sacrifices were not going to cleanse them of their sin. And then there's a the contrast. But when Christ offered for all time, 
a single sacrifice for sin, meaning offering his life on the cross, that one sacrifice, one time, is good enough for all sin, for all time. And so and it says he sat down right hand of God and he's waiting uh, to make uh, that his enemies be made his footstool. But that single offering, he perfected, he's canceled the debt, he's actually cleaned their conscience. So we as followers of Christ, here's, here's something that was expected in the age to come. After this current age ends, well, Jesus has come and says the kingdom has come and it's, it's come in part and we get to experience a measure of it. It's forgiveness of sin, but not only that, is that we can have a a conscience that's cleansed from our guilt because we can know by faith that Jesus gave his life and that in that sacrifice, all our sins have been forgiven and he has perfected for all time us that are being sanctified by Christ. That's the, the blessing that we can experience right now, forgiveness and a cleansed conscience from guilt. And I like, I personally like to connect this to the communion time when we have communion, whether at church or whether at home or uh, a gathering, other uh, small group. Uh, communion is a time that we are reminded of Christ. See, the, the writer of Hebrews says every time they came for that sacrifice, it was a, it was a constant reminder that their sins weren't forgiven. So when we come together at the communion table and to break bread and drink the juice. Here in this time, it's a reminder to us. We're, we're remembering Christ, but it's also a reminder to us that our sins, all of them, have been forgiven. Our debt has been canceled. Our conscience is cleansed. We have been perfected by Christ already. See, that's a reminder for us that by faith, that is already true. Well, let's look at the next couple of scriptures. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 to 21 in Romans chapter 4, uh, 18 through 25. Uh, as a, and the same question will apply here. What blessings of the age to come do we get to experience and enjoy a measure of right now? Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now Romans 4, verse 18 through 25. In hope, he, meaning Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of, of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to, to us who believe in him, who raised, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Well, the first blessing of the, new, of the age to come that we get to experience is that we're a new creation in Christ. That means we're, we're that word new means like a new species, a new character, something unheard of before. It's a creative act of God here. And he's saying, you're a new creation in Christ. The old you is gone, the new has come. Yeah, we're here in our old body still and everything, but, but we're new. Christ, it will see, comes to live in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are new people made alive in Christ. That's one of the blessings. And we get to experience that. And then the, the, the other is, as we read through in both of these, is we become the righteousness of God. It's not that we just talked about that we're forgiven and our debt is canceled. 
He also gives us, he makes us, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. And see, uh, in, in Romans, uh, it says it was counted to Abraham. And, it, and he says it's not written for him alone. It's written for us so we can know he, it's it's counted it, it, just as he it was his faith was counted as righteousness. Ours also, when we put our faith in Christ, it's counted to us. It's imputed to us that we believe in Christ and that he's raised from the dead. It says that we've been delivered from our trespasses. We've been justified and God gives us his righteousness. That's how he sees us. He doesn't see us as just for sins forgiven. That's happened. But he sees us righteous, clean, made right, just as righteous as Christ is. So let's look at the next scripture. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's another blessing of the uh, coming age having broken into this time. It's something we can, we can enjoy measure of right now. So we've been forgiven. Our debt's been canceled. And, and, and now we've read we're new creations. We, he, we've been given the righteousness of Christ. That's how God sees us, sees us as righteousness of Christ. We've been justified. And here he says, now we have peace with God. Here's parts. These are the blessings. These are something that was reserved for the future. And what the, the Jewish people had an expectation that was a future event when God's kingdom came in its fullness. Well, Jesus has come and he says the kingdom is here. It's not full yet. But we can enjoy a measure of here's a part of it. This is what we're we can enjoy a measure of right now. We can have a peace that passes all understanding right now. What look that was reserved for the future is now ours to experience right now and enjoy that blessing of the of the of the coming age. Well now let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It reads, For if, because of one man's trespass, Death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So what's the blessing of the age to come that we get to experience a measure of right now? Uh, we, we get to reign in life. That's what it says here. Uh, in, it's, it's, uh, now, what does that mean? Now, how does that happen? First of all, at the very beginning of the scripture, it says, because of one man's trespass, he's talking about the first Adam. Jesus is the last Adam, or the second Adam. The first Adam, because of his sin, death reigned, meaning separation from God, reigned through that one man over all humanity. And But when we receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, it says, this, notice there's two there. There's, it's not just receiving grace, it, that God offers us, but it's the gift of righteousness. And so we've t- been talking about, yes, we're forgiven in Christ. Our debt's been been cleared. It's been canceled. And every one of our sins, we've been justified. And now we've been made righteous, the very righteousness of Christ. It's, it's given to us, imputed to us. That reality is ours. And it says we have peace with God. So here's now, we read in Romans 5.17, it says that one man's sin, Adam's sin, brought death, meaning separation from God. Uh, now he says, now those that receive the abundance of grace and that gift of righteousness that God gives us in Christ, will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So here's this. Is, so how do we get to, get to reign in life? That doesn't mean we reign over people and we push people around and cause people to serve us. He's talking about instead of having, having our life being controlled and ruled over by death and separation from God. No, our life now, if we receive that gift of righteousness, we, what rules over our life is the life of God itself. And so we get to enjoy that life that God's purpose to measure up for us to have right now. And so he's saying you do, we, we get that by receiving grace and that gift. So God, God's given it to us, but we can not receive it. We cannot embrace it. We cannot, uh, by faith, take hold of it. And so he's saying that this happens when we embrace the reality that God has given us uh, his very righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. He's not just forgiven us, but he's given us righteousness. 
And so when we receive that, we all reign in life, meaning the life of God. We're not separated from him anymore. We now have life in him. So this is about our, our identity we have in Christ. It's about knowing who we are and knowing who we are and what God has given us, receiving that and believing it to be true will change us. We'll start to live a whole different life. We'll live according to who, who we believe we are and what we have in Christ. And that's why this is important. These are things we've probably read these scriptures, many of you that are listening. I know I have, but every time I spend time, it just, just really lifts my spirit, encourages me the reality of what Christ has done, what, what the, the kingdom of God has brought to us to be able to experience and enjoy a measure of that future age right now. And here it is. One of them is reigning in life, not, not sitting under the guilt and shame in the uh, a fear of judgment that comes with being separated from God. Now we can reign in life. So I encourage you to receive, believe, trust in that God has made us righteous. Now, now let's look at another scripture from Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I have a reference 1 and 4, 1 to 4, but we're just going to read verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's another blessing that comes. You know, we have, we're forgiven, we have righteousness, uh, we're, we're reigning in life, and there's no condemnation. There's not going to be any condemnation on us because we are forgiven, because we are righteous. See, condemnation does not rule my life anymore. It shouldn't rule yours if you're a follower of Christ because you're in Christ and you've received the gift of righteousness. You're meant to reign in life. At this point, I asked those in, in the session that were with me, the, the growth group, uh, anyone have anything to share what this is do, speaking to them. And, and one of them uh, shared how there's like, was starts to try to explain what they're feeling, what they're thinking. And they, there you could tell they couldn't come up with a word. And they just finally said, like, like, there's no words to explain what this all is for us. This And, 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 and this, here's this reality. What we have is not just Jesus dying so we were forgiven of our sin to go our way. Here's this, this reality that there's, it's so much more than that. And we're going to continue to go through scriptures. And, and there's some we're not going to get to that you can read afterwards. And we need to remind ourselves of what all of what Christ's purpose for us to experience right now. It won't be the full kingdom. That'll come on a second return, on a second coming, but we get to experience a measure of the reality of that kingdom right now. We get to experience a measure of that, enjoy that. And here's part of it: no living with no condemnation. But this is something like you might be thinking, like what you're saying about being righteous. He makes us righteous, but I know my life. It's not. It's not that way. No, none of us are. We're not living perfect. But here we are. We can come to Christ. Christ has already forgiven us. We can come back to Him. Well, why do we ask for forgiveness? Because it's part of our heart. We, we need to go to him. And as we do, we connect to Christ. We experience that forgiveness. We, it's already a reality. But we, as we come to Christ asking for forgiveness, here's a sense that, that we know that we're cleansed. It's a reminder to us that Christ has purchased us, has forgiven us, given us his righteousness. And he says, now you don't have to live under condemnation. You can live in life right now. Now let's look at the next one. Um, it's from John chapter 14, verse 16 through 19. It's about the Holy Spirit we're going to be looking at here. And, and verse 16, uh, we're just going to read 16 through 19. I know I have through verse 24. Uh, it says, And I will ask the Father, here's Jesus speaking to the disciples. He's telling them he's going to be leaving them. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. So here, what's the blessing here that he talks about? He's talking about, he's going to give us a helper. One who's going to come and give us aid when we need it. It's the spirit of truth. It's, it's going to bring back the reality of, of the truth of what Christ has, has done. And then it, it talks about it says the spirit himself is going to come and dwell with us 
and will be in us. See, the Spirit comes, He's living in us, but He also comes at times and moves on us to empower us in certain ways and giftings. And that's part of the blessing that comes. That's something that was it was previously reserved for the coming age in the future, another time. But it's broken in in part that we can experience these things right now. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so uh, these are some of the blessings. Let's, let's, um, I mean, when we stop and think about this reality, that Holy Spirit, in the Father and the Son, that together the triune God has chosen to take up a residence in us. I encourage you to just think about that for a moment. Uh, just a quote I would give you um, from Bill Johnson. It says, There is no greater privilege than being, ho- being a host to God himself. Neither is there a greater responsibility. It's one thing to host a friend or family member in your home. It's something of entirely different level to consider the reality of hosting God in the home that is your physical frame. This is one of those scriptural truths that we often quote, recite, and we discuss, and we talk about, but I am not sure if we have allowed the full weight of it to resonate in our hearts. This is it. This is back, back about uh, embracing the reality of what Christ has done, who he has placed in us. This is something that needs to, to find it. It's, it's placed in us to a point that it changes our life. Let's look at John 16, 7. And Jesus here is speaking to his disciples like still. Uh, and it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he's telling the disciples, I'm leaving. And it's to your advantage I leave. Because when I leave, the helper comes. The Spirit is going to come to dwell in you. And not only that that sense of being with you, he's going to empower you. He's going to bring back to your memory truth. He's going to give you certain giftings and understandings. He's going to enable you to live your life in alignment with the greater purposes of God. And so he, here's the, the advantage we have. That's the advantage. And there's a couple of scriptures I want to touch on about the advantage also. Um, is um, He empowers us, right? But, but Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14 says, In him, meaning in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of, your, your, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We've been sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed, we've been marked, and he's our guarantee that what we're experiencing in measure right now, we will experience in fullness in the future. And so that, that, that the Holy Spirit is, is this seal, but it's a guarantee. It's just like it's a, a deposit. And so we can experience that. We've all had these experiences like we encounter God. There's a, we know the Spirit's moving on us. We, are, we have the sense of that reality that's happening. Um, and, and those encounters are reminders to us that the down payment's been made. Just like we made a down payment on our house and we're continuing to make payments, God will continue in, in those times to make payments where His Spirit speaks to us, His Spirit touches us in such a way we encounter God and we know the reality of His love for us. In those moments, it's another deposit saying, it's guaranteed you're going to get the full measure at some point. The inheritance is yours, and you're going to acquire it at some point in the future. And here's another down payment. Here's another payment on that until you have acquired the fullness of it. That's the blessing we have of the Holy Spirit. That's part of the advantage he's given us, the reminders of all we have in Christ. And 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 9 through 12 is another one I want to read here. And now this is one that I was... Uh, when I was a young Christian, there's people were mentoring and, and showing me and teaching me the scriptures and said it's good to memorize scripture. So that was one of the ones, it was verse 9. And it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. And they, they, would measure, they would memorize that. And as they talk about it, it was like, see, no eye can see, no ear can hear. No heart can imagine what God has prepared for us. It's it's more than we could understand or imagine. But I read a little further, verse 10 through 12. Let's read it. It says, I'm going to start back at verse 9, and we're reading because verse 9 doesn't end. It continues with this. There's a continuation of that sentence, that statement. It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, 
no heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. See, that's the advantage of the Spirit. The things that no eye could see before, what no ear could hear, no heart could imagine uh, what God has prepared for us. He says, the Spirit has been given to us. Part of the advantage is we can know these things. We can see them, hear them, and sense them, and even imagine them. That's the blessing of the Spirit. It says, for the Spirit searches. It goes on, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows the a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. See, the, the spirit that knows the very thoughts and comprehends the very thoughts of God has now been given to us. That same spirit, it's not the spirit of the world, it's the spirit of God himself. He's given him to us that we can understand those things freely given to us by God. What no eye has seen, no ear heard, or no heart has imagined, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Here's another advantage of the kingdom. We're forgiven, we're made righteous, our debt's been canceled. We've been made righteous. We're, we're, when we receive that righteousness, we're, we're made to reign in life. There's no condemnation now to us, uh, those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We've received this, the helper, the spirit of truth. Uh, we're no longer going to be orphans. He's going to come and dwell and live in us. And that spirit is going to give us an advantage to encounter things of God, to understand, uh, experience the guarantee that, that God's working in our life. And also the reality that Certain things that God has purposed for us to experience a measure of right now, we can see them, hear them, imagine them, and start to experience them when we believe them by faith. See, this is part of our identity. This is who we are, right? So let's go on to the next one. It says, John, it says, it, it's John chapter 1, verse 12 through 13, and then we're going to look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. Chapter 1 of John. Verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, receiving Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then there's 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. So we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that we, it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So what's the blessing of the age to come? We get to experience a measure of right now. We are a child of God right now, not something in the future. We already are children of God. And now that's uh, it's important. This is this remember this is about our identity, who we are. When I if I were to come in a group of people at, at church and just say, "Who are you?" Our first res- response is our identification. We are children of God. I'm a son of God. You may be a son of God, or you may be a, a daughter of God. But if you believe in Christ, you are His children right now. And not only that, it says we're called, we're I- identified by that title. We are children of God. Now let's move on to chapter 4 of 1 John and read verse 16 through 17. And it reads, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in, him, in God, and God abides in him. By this is, the love, is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. So we just talked about being children of God, right? And as his children, uh, it says that we can have, one of the blessings we can have in this, this age to come, before we talk about there's no condemnation, there's no shame, there's no sense of guilt, our conscience is cleansed, and we actually have peace with God, and we've already talked about that, but he says here in this scripture, because of the love of God, because we're his children right now. It says we can have confidence for the day of judgment. 
We don't have to fear a day of judgment where God is going to be punitive to us and condemn us because we're righteous now in Christ. We're forgiven, right? And there's no condemnation for us. We're at peace with God right now. So we can have confidence because of the love of God. It's been perfected in us. And so, and then it goes on to say, it says, it's because as he is, so also are we in this world. What do you mean because as he is? Because as he, meaning Jesus, as Jesus is right now. So where is Jesus right now? And I'm talking about the man, Jesus, not just because he's still the God man, 100% God, 100% man. And the God man, the man Jesus, he's before the Father right now. And as Jesus is, so are we. He's a righteous son of God. And remember, he had his baptism. What did God speak over him? At the, you know, the heavens part, the Holy Spirit comes down, and God the Father speaks over him. You are the son that I love. That's never going to change. That's who Jesus is. Because as Jesus is right now, so are we as we live in this world. He wants us to know. So this is, this is the love of God for us. That just as Jesus is, righteous, beloved son of the Father, so are we. Here's our identification. We're children of God. Been forgiven, made righteous, no condemnation, have peace with God, and now we can have confidence before him because just as Jesus is a beloved son, so are you and I if we have put our faith and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think if I'm thinking right now that you're probably listening thinking like, man, you're hitting a lot of scriptures and giving us lots of information. It's like getting hit with a fire hose, right? Well, there's a lot to go through, and I'm only touching on uh, just scratching the surface on the, the blessings that we have in Christ. And so I just I want to hit a few more before we come to a close here. Let's go to Romans 8:15. It says, For we did for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our, our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what are the blessings of the age to come that we get to experience a measure of right now? Uh, we're, we're, we're sons, but the, the spirit of adoption, God's spirit comes to us, bears witness to us that we are children of God, and then cries out from within us, Abba, Father, that it seems it, it, that uh, word Abba is, is like saying Papa, Daddy. It's this intimate relationship and response to the Father that God puts in us. So he reaches to us, forgives us, makes us righteous, gives us peace, and then pours the Holy Spirit on us, and that Spirit confirms that we are witnesses to us, that we are children of God, and, and, and develops in us this relationship with the Father, the Father and the Son, that we're intimate with Him, like we're calling Him Abba, or Papa, or Daddy. And that's what, that's what the Spirit of God does. That's part of the blessing. We start to experience in measure right now what's been reserved for the future in the past, and that, that its fullness still is not yet. So in a measure, we get the taste of what we're going to have in the future with God. Now let's go to um, uh, John chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, John 5, 24, and John 6, 40. It says here in John chapter 3, 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 5, 24. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. In John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and will raise Him up on the last day. Now, what is the blessing of the age to come that we get to experience a measure of right now? Eternal life. Well, I thought that was something off in the future. That's what I, as a young Christian, was told and understood. No, it's, it's getting to heaven someday. But Jesus tells us, He gives a definition for what eternal life is in John 17, 3. 
It's not just something off in the future. It's not just a promise that we'll get someday. Because remember, the kingdom brings with us uh, a measure of the future. And so right now, we can have a measure of what that eternal life is like. Let's look at John 17, 3. This is Jesus speaking. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So he, Jesus is saying, he answers the question, what is eternal life? So we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. Well, what's eternal life? It's, it's getting to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. So eternal life is not living forever. It's not just living forever. We're going to live forever. But it's to know, it's to have this relationship with the Father and Jesus. And it's not just for the future. It's right now. Because he says we're children of God now. So it's both. We're meant to live and experience eternal life right now. And what do we have for a model? What that looks like is Jesus himself. He lived in his dynamic, interactive relationship with the Father. So what's, what, what is the uh, blessings of the age to come that we experience? Eternal life. But not just eternal life. It, it, it's, it's right, if we were to uh, make sure we put right next to that, is intimacy with the Father. That's what we, we get to experience a measure of right now. We're going to have it in fullness in the future, but it's ours right now to, be ha- to have. Now, there are many... Uh, that do not seem to know that they have the right to sit at the Father's table and commune with Him. This is a, this is a sad thing to see among believers that they don't understand. They've been invited to this relationship with the Father, and, and Jesus. This is now this is a quote. By, I'm pretty sure it's from A.W. Tozer. Jesus tells us in John 17:3 that eternal life is now is to know God. This is the purpose for which we are and were created. Satan's master plan was and is still to separate us from God and to cause us to lose our God awareness. But one of the main works of Christ was to give God the Father back to us and through the power of the Holy Spirit freely restore to us an acute God awareness. See, and this is this is what God's this is what God purpose in Christ is to restore that relationship with the Father that was meant to be, be in the beginning, and even more so with the Holy Spirit living in us. And we have this, this model of it in Jesus. And he's saying this is what we're supposed to experience. We're supposed to have this confidence with God. We're supposed to feel confident enough to come and sit with Him at His table and commune with Him. And to think that some believers don't understand that or don't know that. See, that's what eternal life is, experiencing, experiencing a measure of the future. And when you realize also, this is not just about having the right beliefs or having a creed that we believe in and stand by. It's not about following principles and traditions and, 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 uh, and, and even knowing the scriptures. That's what it's not about. It's about a person, a relationship. That's what Jesus tells us. Is, is knowing and having an eternal relationship with the Father that starts right now. And it grows deeper and deeper each day with us living life abundantly and to the fullest possible within this age under God's rule and from the reality of our true identity in Christ, which is a child of God. You see, what God deposited in our hearts at salvation was never meant to simply remain there in our hearts, but it's supposed to change every area of our lives, especially the way we think. When we yield our minds to the influence of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, and we start to collaborate with Him in shaping our thought life, our mind begins to be renewed. And then the renewed mind sees and believes who we really are in Christ. And we can choose to be a believer who just is going through the motions, or or one who is enjoying the fully alive reality that they were born into as children of God. You see, all these scriptures I've gone through and we've uh, that I've shared with you, these are all true. This is how God sees us. This is what God has provided for us in Christ. And now there's a part of us that we have to make it more real. It has to become a living 
uh, reality with our own heart. So God saves us. He places the spirit in us, the spirit of truth. And now it's part of our work, part of our, our, our responsibility is to start to think correctly and let our minds be changed and renewed by the spirit of God and the truth of, of that reality of what God has provided in Christ to us. And, 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 and for us to do that, we have to come. We have to uh, come to a place where we know and become who we really are in Christ. And this is going to take uh, take work on our part. There's a couple of scriptures I, I want to bring bring this uh, session to a close with. Uh, let's go to Romans 12, 1 through two. And he says, uh, Paul's writing here to the church. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here Paul tells us, you know, here's these truths. He's, he's talked about what God has done um, through Romans, and he comes and says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the things this world is doing, what they put their values on. He says, no, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, the renovating of our mind. It's the deconstructing and tearing down of, of, of thinking like the world, thinking like we who we were before we are in Christ. And in place of that, we start to put the truths and the reality of what we've, we've talked about, what I've shared today from the scriptures. And that that renewal process of mind changes who we are. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power, destroying strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. He's talking about we as believers. Every argument against the truth of what we who we are in Christ because of what Christ has done. He says, we destroy those arguments with the truth of God, with the knowledge we have in what he's done and what he's purposed for us. And it says, we take every thought captive. It's just an intentional reality. We take every thought captive and cause our thinking to obey the truth of what God says in his word. That's part our part. That's a, that's, that's a work. So here we are, we're saved by grace. We're saved through faith. Uh, and, 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 and in that, the reality of what we're talking about, these, realities, these, these truths, what God has provided, a measure of us to experience in this life, comes to us through our faith in God and through our allowing the truths to reshape how we think and see ourselves. And as we understand and believe those things deep in our heart to be true, we'll start to become what we believe. And we'll start to act out. It just happens. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. See, God deposited something in our heart. And he says, protect it, guard it, watch over it. The heart, it was considered this the, like the, the, the governing center for character, for personality, for will, for motivation, the attitudes, and, and for our mind. Which all, these all reflect something of the meaning of the heart, and what happens is you protect that part of you. It from there is the wellspring. It, the rest of our life flows from that. So it's our mind, but it's also the core of who we are. And in Matthew twelve, verse thirty-three to thirty-five, this is Jesus speaking. He says, "Either either make the tree good, or its fruit good, or make the tree bad, or its fruit bad." For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. See, out of the abundance of the heart, guard your heart. Renew your mind. Take every thought captive. And then, and then it, say, it says here, see, uh, see, out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of who you are, your character, your personality, your will, your mind, your emotions, those things that are part of who you are, says out of that place, out of the abundance, is how we speak. It's whether it's going to be good fruit or bad fruit that comes from our life. And it says from the good treasure, it brings good. From the evil treasure, it brings forth evil. And he says in the very beginning, verse 33, make the tree good or make the tree bad. You see, here's our work, our part. Here's the truth. Take this treasure, these treasures of the kingdom, these, these nuggets of truth that we've just gone through. These are treasures that we have. 
and take and make them the good treasure of our heart. Let them shape who we are and let that produce good fruit. So even when we've gone through these things, it's, there's an identity crisis within the church. Um, and, and, and people uh, give mental assent to who they are, but there's no reality in their own heart of the truths we just talked about. And God is saying it's, it's our part. Is Here's the truth. It's, it, we receive this, this gift of righteousness, abundance of grace. We receive it by faith. And we start to put it in practice by renewing our mind, by guarding our heart and, and starting to shape how we think, letting the Holy Spirit influence us with the words of the Christ, these truths. And it starts to change us and make us more like Christ to experience more and more a measure of, of the, the kingdom of God, what's going to be in the future. Now, there's more scriptures on the list below this post for, the, for you to read. We're not going to get through all of them. And so I encourage you to read the rest of them, reread the ones I've, we've already gone through. But I want to point to you uh, uh, the other the document that's below. Uh, it, says, it talks about who I am. And this, this, uh, uh, there's two pages to it, uh, who I am, and uh, meaning who I am in Christ, and since I am in Christ, and the second page, by the grace of God, this is who I am. And so I encourage you, this is something I've done uh, multiple times in my life, and when I first got it, I, I did it for 30 days straight. I read it twice a day, out loud to myself. And these are they're scripture references, these are statements from these scripture references on both, page, both sides of the page that speak of who we are in Christ because of Christ. These are truths, just like the ones we just went through. So I just was touching on a bit of them. Here's a, there's a bunch right here to read. But read the statements and speak these statements. This is who you are. This is the renewal process. This is how we take every thought captive. This is how we guard our hearts by these truths that God speaks about us through his word. So when I first got them, I read them. Once at the, once in the morning when I got up and then before I went to bed for 30 days. And that was in the, right around the 2000s when I first started connecting and understanding about the kingdom of God. Like I told you, it, like I realized, I'm like, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? Even this, the identity of Christ, who we are in Christ, those times it started changing and shaping my life differently as I followed Christ. It really reshaped my conversation and my relationship with the Father and knowing Him. So I want to encourage you, Take the, do the work of, of, of uh, renewing your mind, getting be transformed, don't be conformed to this world. Bring every thought captive to these truths we, who we are in Christ and let it start to shape who you are. And then every so often come back and re- remind yourself, I have enjoyed uh, preparing for this one. But I've spent a lot of time just thinking about rereading these things and being nourished by these truths of, of uh, God. And, and I hope it's done the same for you. Um, this is, uh, there's a lot here. But this is important for us that we would uh, continue to remind not just ourselves, but each other. When we're, we're with each other as believers, as a community, there's times when we may hear one or the other saying things that aren't true, that do not match up with the Word of God, and they may be down on themselves. It's our responsibility. We come to them and encourage them, no, that's not who you are. In Christ, you're a child of God. He's forgiven you. You're His workmanship. He's created you to be like Him in true righteousness and holiness. That's who he's made you to be. See, that's the truth how we're supposed to speak to ourselves, but also to each other and help each other grow in the reality of who we are meant to be in Christ and the measure of the future age that we're called to be able to experience and enjoy right now, even before the fullness of it comes when, when Jesus returns. Well, that's it for today. And until next week, God bless.